Welcome to the Josh Blair Ministry Podcast, a podcast all about bringing inspiration and encouragement to your daily walk with Jesus. We pray the message you hear impacts you as you follow Christ. Well, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. 2019 is a good year. Do you believe it? Good, because only six days in. So if it's been bad already, well, we need to have another conversation. It's been a good year so far. I love a new year. It has that new car smell, doesn't it? It's just like, man, it's new beginnings. It smells good. All the possibilities, all the things that we can explore and do in this new year. You know, a lot of people will set at, at the beginning of the new year. What, is, what do people typically do at the beginning of the year? They set resolutions. Does anybody have any New Year's resolutions that you've set this year? Nobody wants to know. Like, I don't do that. I don't know what you're talking about. People set resolutions, right? People do that. Things that you want to you wanna start doing, there's some things you want to stop doing, come on, in the name of Jesus, some things we need to stop, we need to leave in 2018, amen? There's some things we want to improve on in the new year, and people do that. People start setting these resolutions, and uh, I don't know if you noticed it all, uh, but we have some examples of New Year's resolutions. Some of us want to get fit, right, this year. Anybody want to come up here and try this thing out? Huh? No, good. Okay, because I don't. I'm not sure exactly how it works. Uh, and then we've got people that want to eat healthier in the new year, huh? Carrots, delicious, nutritious, help you see better. Uh, you need somebody's asking for vision from the Lord. Eat some more carrots. We want to read more. Yeah, we want to. We want to relax more. We want to enjoy time more. Some of these. Does these sound familiar? People want to do these things. What about some spiritual? Uh, things that you want, spiritual habits that you want to begin in the new year. Is there anybody? Do you want to say? To pray more. That's a great one. Does anybody else have that goal? I want to pray more in 2019. Somebody else? Maybe I want to read the Bible in, the, in a year. Anybody doing that? There's great, if you use your YouVersion Bible app, there are great uh, built-in app or built-in plans already there to read the Bible in a year. Faith and I have started doing that one. I would encourage anybody to do that. Those are great. Maybe somebody saying, I want to give more in 20, 2019. I want to be more faithful in 2019. Those are all great things. And whether you've been intentional about setting a uh, resolution for yourself or not, I can promise you that there's somewhere in you that you're saying, I want to do this better this year. Whether you wrote it down or you told somebody about it, internally, it's how we're, we're, we're kind of designed that way. We want things to always be better than what we left them. Yes? So somewhere inside of you, whether you wrote down a resolution or not, or decided or told somebody, there's something inside of you that wants to get better. And so this year, because of that, we are kicking off our new series today, and it's entitled Healthy Habits. All of us have good habits, and we have bad habits, yes? There's some things that we do that are good for us, and some things that we do that are bad for us. This new year, we want to create better habits for ourselves. We want to reduce our bad habits. What are some bad habits that, that people want to reduce? You know, there's, uh, if, you, if you smoke, you probably are saying, I want to smoke less in, 20, in 2019, or I want to stop smoking. That's a great bad habit to stop. Maybe it's eating junk food. It's also horrible for us. We don't want to do it. You know, McDonald's is always calling my name, and I'm getting saying, like, get behind me, Satan. Amen? <laughs> Big Mac, not right now. Big Mac, heart attack. I don't want you. Get, stay in 2018. Right? Get away from junk food. Maybe some of you are saying, I want to stop procrastinating. Amen, somebody? Come on, can I get a witness? No more procrastination. No more laziness. I got to get done what I got to get done. 
I need to stop watching so much TV. I need to stop being so much on my screen. These are all bad habits we want to stop. Do you realize, though, why it's so difficult for us to stop bad habits and start good habits? Because bad habits reward us instantly, don't they? They're instant gratification. That donut, I know I shouldn't eat it, but it's going to be delicious. It's a moment of weakness, and you eat something bad, but in the long run, it's horrible for you. If all you do is eat donuts, you're going to have a horrible life down the road. Amen. The opposite is true for good habits. Good habits are not rewarding in the moment, but they're great for you in the long run. They have a delayed uh, gratification. So that's why it's so difficult to start a good habit and to keep a good habit because you're like, I'm not seeing the results I want. I'm not feeling the things that I want to feel. It's, this is hard for me, and that donut looks so tempting. And so good habits are, are, are good for us in the long run. Bad habits are bad for us in the long run, but they feel good in the moment. So here's my question. Why is it important for us to establish good habits in our lives? Other than saying, like, it's good to be healthy, it's good to read, it's good to pray more, it's good to do these things. Why is it important that we establish and be intentional about making good habits in our lives? I was speaking to my dad uh, the other day about this, about healthy habits, and he told me that he was listening to a pastor, his name's John Hagee, pastors Cornerstone Church in Texas, and he said that he heard Pastor Hagee say this, that our habits determine our destiny. Our habits determine our destiny. And it's true. What we will continually do will determine where our life leads. Do you believe that? What I do on a regular basis, the small steps that I take day in and day out will lead me in a certain direction. Either a good, a good direction or a bad direction, a negative direction. James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, which Faith just wrote and, and told me a lot about, she said this about James, and James said this in his book, every action you take is a vote for the person you'll become. No single instance will transform your beliefs, but as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity. Can I read that again? Every action you take is a vote for the person you'll become. No single instance will transform your beliefs, but as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity. It's good. Every action you take is a vote for the person that you'll become or the person you'll remain. So let me, let me give you an example. Let's say I want to be a runner, but I'm not a runner, but I want to be one. I want to be known as a person who runs. So every morning I get up and I lace up my running shoes and I step out the door even if I jog for a short distance or just for a short period of time, every time I build up that habit of doing that small thing, of lacing up my shoes and stepping out the door, I am creating an atmosphere, a place for me to build a habit of running. And so eventually that vote every morning of I'm tying my shoes, I'm going outside, I'm tying my shoes, I'm going outside, will help me become the runner that I want to be. Does that make sense? The same is true for bad habits. Say you're smoking and you want to quit smoking. Every time you pick up a cigarette is a vote for you to remain a smoker, yes? Every time you decide not to pick one up, you're voting not to be a smoker. This is what he's saying. These are votes. These actions you take are a vote for the person you want to become. And he's reminding us, even bad habits are votes for that identity. It's true for the physical, and it's true for the spiritual. The more we do something the more we identify with it. Would you agree? 
Reminds me of what Paul said in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 5. He says this, For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So what are you identifying with this morning? Are you identifying with being in Christ and being a new creation in Jesus? Or are you identifying with the sin that, that rules over your life? Are you identifying with being a follower of Jesus and that's the habit that you choose day in and day out to follow him? Are you choosing to identify with your sin? So now you identify with being a liar and a cheater. Come on, somebody. You identify with being a thief and an adulterer and a slanderer and a gossip because your actions are votes for your identity. What you vote for is the person you'll become. And where you decide to shift the vote to something else, that's when your identity will shift. Jesus says that we are new creations in him, but if you choose to vote for a different creation story than who you are in Jesus, then that's what you'll become. So how do we begin to live by the Spirit? That's the question for all of us this morning. How do we cultivate healthy spiritual habits in our lives? How do we make sure that we're casting the right votes? How do we make sure we're putting our, our attention and our, our drive in the right direction? Maybe you're saying, I want to be more generous. I want to be, more, uh, I want to be uh, uh, someone who serves more, and someone who's more forgiving and more loving. So how do I cultivate those things in my life? Maybe some of us, it would be a good aspiration to have a habit of this fruit of the Spirit. Would you agree? Saying, I want to I love more. I want to I be filled with love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Would those all be good things to grow in this year? Would you agree? We want to grow in those things. We want to have those fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So if you want to grow in those areas, then you need something in your life. If you want to grow in love, you want to grow in patience, you want to grow in goodness, you need this one special thing. Do you know what it is? It's people. You need people in your life so that you can demonstrate these fruits of the Spirit. You can practice these things on a daily basis. How many you know it's hard to love somebody who's not there? Or maybe it's a lot easier to love somebody when they're not there. How many you know it's, it's, it's hard to demonstrate patience unless it's tested? It's hard to be kind to someone who, who isn't there to be kind to. To have the fruit of the Spirit develop in your life, you have to have people around you to help cultivate those things in your life. The fruit, of, the fruit of the Spirit, all of, those, all of the fruit are demonstrated in community. So to grow in these things, we first need to establish a place to practice them. Before you plant a garden, you have to get the ground ready first. You can't just walk out to some place in the ground and drop seed and say, I'm working on a beautiful garden. Just wait, give me three months, and this is going to be a beautiful tomato plant. No, birds are going to come and eat this. You're just feeding the birds. If you're wanting to establish in these things in your heart and in your life, I want to become more like Jesus, I want the fruit of the Spirit to be evident in my life, then there has to be ground laid. There has to be the, the, the foundation for those things to grow. 
And I'm telling you, the foundation for those things to grow is in Christian community, is in fellowship with one another as the body of Christ. We need each other. Again, James Clear said in his, his book, a habit must be established before it can be improved. So the first thing you need to do, he says, is master the art of showing up. If you show up long enough, consistently enough, then things will begin to fall into place. You're creating a habit. You're creating a space for something to happen. Master the art of showing up. Do you know that being in a community of believers is in itself a spiritual habit? It's a discipline that helps us establish all the other healthy habits there are to follow Christ. The author of Hebrews says this in chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. He says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. What does that mean? The habit of meeting together is a good habit. Neglecting to meet together is a bad habit. We don't want to neglect the meeting place of believers in Jesus. That's a bad habit to establish. We need to establish meeting together. Why? He says, so that we can encourage one another, and all the more as we see the day drawing near. So if you want to grow in love for one another, you want to grow in kindness and goodness and joy and peace, he says don't neglect meeting together. Don't neglect being in community together, because you will not grow those things outside of this community. It won't happen out there where the ground is rough and untilled and unprepared for what God is wanting to do in your life, come here. Let it be a place in the body of Christ for these things to nourish and grow. Community helps these things grow. If you're wanting to grow in your spirit this year, the first thing you need to do is show up to be in community together. You can't have community with somebody who will not show up. Amen? Yes? Jay and I, we work out together four times a week, and it helps us be accountable to show up. We send texts to each other, him first or me, and we say, you got my back. That takes us back to an old message. Because it helps us establish a community between just he and I to make sure that we're doing what we said we would do. And in community, if you want to grow in your spirit, we need each other not only to help us be accountable, but to encourage one another when things get rough and things get heavy. We need that. And can I tell you something? Sunday mornings is a great place to start to be in community, not to neglect coming and meeting together. But how many of you know it's very difficult to demonstrate love and goodness and kindness and patience in the two to three minute interaction you have with somebody on a Sunday morning? It's hard. Even if we just spent the hour and a half connecting and talking to each other, you would not be able to get around the entire room and love somebody genuinely enough to know where they feel, I am loved by this person. This person really cares about me. It's just not possible. You cannot do it all here and just on a Sunday. When God said, I want you to be together, he wasn't just saying on a Sunday morning in church. He was saying there has to be something more than that outside these four walls. And that's why we've established our community groups, our small groups, as a place where you can connect and grow and where you can demonstrate and reflect love for one another. That's the important place why we have a community group. It's not just so that we can say we have community groups. 
or that we have small groups, or that have people meeting at different places around town during the week. We honestly believe, I sincerely believe, that it's in, in those settings where you really get to connect with people and talk with people and hear their hearts and hear their stories and see where they're coming from, and you can genuinely love each other the way Christ has desired for us to love each other. It can't happen just on a Sunday morning. This is a place on Sunday where you come to be encouraged, to get redirected, to repent of things that are going in the wrong direction, to get re-energized so that you can go back out and practice the things that you are believing, so that you can cast your votes for the person, the identity that you know you are in Christ. This is a place where you can get energized and recharged so that you can go out and do what God has called you to do. But to grow in your spirit deeper and more meaningfully, you have to have others with you. You can't follow Jesus alone. Can I get an amen for that? You can't follow Jesus alone. You can't demonstrate your faith alone. Faith by itself dies. James chapter 2 tells us faith without what? Works or faith without deeds or faith without action is dead. Without people in your life that you can demonstrate your faith to, that you can demonstrate love and forgiveness and reconciliation and hope and goodness and kindness to, without people that you can demonstrate those things to, your faith has no evidence. Your faith has no evidence. There is no basis to believe that you're a follower of Jesus if you're not demonstrating his love to people around you. You need people around you that can help you, that will encourage you, that will correct you when you get off track, people that you can demonstrate God's love to and patience with and goodness and kindness towards. You need people in your lives so that you can bear these kind of fruit. And can I tell you something that might be a little harsh this morning? The reality is a Christian who does not bear fruit in their lives is not really a Christian at all. A Christian who does not have evidence of fruit in their lives at some point along the journey of following Jesus cannot be called a Christian. And those aren't my words. Those are the words of Jesus found in John chapter 15. Starting in verse 1, he says this, I am the true vine, and my, fi- my father is the vine dresser. Each branch in me, meaning someone who says that they are a believer, each branch that has been grafted into me, the true vine, each branch that does not bear fruit, he, God, takes away. And every branch that does, not, that does bear fruit, he prunes that it, will make, that it will bear more fruit. What is Jesus saying here? Even if you call yourself a believer, even though you say, I'm a Christian, if there's no evidence of that, down the road, along the way, at some point, you may get cut off from the true vine. He says this and continues in, in a chapter or verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, And my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. What is he saying? When you bear fruit, there's evidence that you're my follower. When you bear fruit, there's evidence that you're my disciple. 
When you are bearing fruit, people will recognize that you belong to Jesus, that you're a follower of Jesus. Verse 9 says this, And as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. What is he saying? You'll bear fruit if you abide in my love. You abide in my love by keeping my commandments. And he says this, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. And verse 12 ties everything together and makes it all make sense for us this morning. Verse 12 says this, this is my commandment. What did Jesus say? If you want to bear fruit, abide in my love. You abide in my love by keeping my commandments. And then he says, I have one commandment. I have one commandment, verse 12, that you love one another as I have loved you. Do you want to know what it means to bear fruit in Christ? Do you want to know what it means to abide in his love? He says this, keep this one commandment. Love each other with the same kind of love I have loved you with, a love that is an undying love. A love that is forgiving. A love that is reconciling. A love that pours itself out even when it doesn't get anything in return. A love that is passionate in pursuit for one another. Come on, somebody. We try to make following Jesus complicated about all these rules and do's and don'ts. And he says that's not the important thing. The important thing is I want you to bear fruit and you'll bear fruit by abiding in me. And the way you abide in me is by you keeping my commandments. And I have one commandment, that you will love each other the way I love you. It's simple. But it's the hardest thing we'll ever do. Because we always want to justify the ones we love. I'll only love you if our love is conditional. Christ's love for us is unconditional. You say, I, you don't have to fit into this box. You don't have to fit into this mold. I will love you. Because Christ has called me to love you. We love each other with the love of Christ that goes beyond our human reasoning, that goes beyond our human limitations, that says, I know you probably don't deserve it. But guess what? I know I don't deserve it either. I don't deserve your love. You don't deserve mine. But we give it to each other freely because Christ gave us a love we did not deserve. If you want to be in Christ, we must bear fruit. You bear fruit by abiding in his love. You abide in his love by obeying his command. And his command is this, love one another. You cannot demonstrate love for each other outside of a community of believers. Jesus tells, you, uh, tells us the world will know that we belong to him by the way we love each other. It's about loving each other, not just our family, not just our friends. Jesus says that. What good are you? The world loves their friends and loves their family. Demonstrate a different kind of love for each other. To people who don't look like you, who don't sound like you, who don't dress like you, who don't act like you. Love them with my kind of love. And the world will know that you belong to me. And this kind of demonstration of love cannot be done in the hour service on a Sunday only. It must be done outside these four walls. This is why we've established our community groups. They are opportunities for us to grow in our faith, to demonstrate our love for each other so that we can bear spiritual fruit. You might be asking, well, do I really need to be in a group like that to grow? My answer to you is yes, you do. 
You always have the option. But my desire would be that you would be a part of something bigger than yourself. With people who sit with you and worship with you on a Sunday, but you don't connect with at any other time during the week. So that you can love one another. So that the fruit of Christ will remain in our lives. So that we can bear the fruit of the Spirit. So that his love and his joy and his peace and his patience, his goodness, his kindness, his faithfulness, his gentleness, his self-control can well up inside of our lives so that we can be better people in 2019 than we were in 2018. Yes, we need to be a part of it. To remain in Jesus, you need to bear fruit. As a church, we're wanting to help establish a healthy habit. And like I quoted before, you have to establish the habit before it can be improved. You have to create the atmosphere for the habit to grow. And the community groups are the atmosphere for these things to grow. Amen? This is where these things are going to flourish in your life. These are, this is the area where you're going to grow the most when you're encountering and working and loving and working through the word of God and worshiping together and loving each other. That's where it will flourish. Now, will being in a community group take time and energy? Yes. Because good habits take time and energy for them to be established. Are, are being, being in a community group, is it going to sometimes be challenging or maybe frustrating? Yes. Are there going to be people in your community group that you don't agree with? Yes. But last time I read, it says that sharp iron sharpens iron. And when iron sharpens iron, there has to be friction. And there's going to be sparks that fly, but it's for our benefit. Amen. I don't want just people around me who think like me and agree with everything that I say. How am I going to grow? How are you going to grow? When everybody just says, oh, bless your heart, you'll be all right. The decisions you're making are fine, you're great. No, sometimes you need to say, wake up, snap out of it. You're, make, you're going in the wrong direction. What are you doing? Why are you rooting for the Raiders? They're horrible. Come on. We need people who don't agree with us sometimes so that they can point us in the right direction. Come on, pray for the Niners. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, all I hear is yes and amen. Thank you, Lord. There will be times when you gather with other people who don't think like you, who don't act like you. There's going to be friction. But remember, in the moments of difficulty, you're becoming more like Jesus. The rough spots in your life are being knocked off. And God chooses to knock off the rough places in our life with other people that will help us be more like his son. He does it on purpose. How will you ever grow in patience unless it's tested? How will you demonstrate goodness and kindness unless it's in times when it's not expected? And people will ask, why are you being so good to me? Why are you being kind to me when I'm not kind to you? Well, because I've been growing in kindness and in goodness. It's easy to be kind when everyone else is kind with you. That doesn't demonstrate that you have the fruit of kindness. It demonstrates that you're just picking up every, every, everything else that's around you. When you demonstrate the growth in these fruits, it's when it's not expected and when it's difficult, you do it anyway because you're growing in it. Well, well joining a Community group give you instant gratification? Probably not. I don't expect that when you walk back there right after service today and write your name down, you'll be like, whoa, that was the best thing I've ever done in my life. 
I feel satisfied right now by writing my name down on this paper. I don't believe that's going to happen. But the reason you're not going to get that feeling is because it's not a bad habit, it's a good one. And good ones take time to establish, but they're good for you in the long run. It'll happen for you. So remember, Jesus wasn't a lone ranger. He started his ministry by gathering 12 other men around him to live life with, to do ministry with, to demonstrate his love to and, and through others. And we need to do the same. And we do this by living in community with one another. Not just our immediate family, not just our close friends, but with people who belong to the body of Christ. So here's my challenge for us today. Whatever good habits you're wanting to develop in 2019, you'll have greater success in a community that will help you be accountable and help you grow. We all know this. That's why we need accountability people. That's why I need Jay to go to the gym with me. If he doesn't show up, I won't show up, and vice versa. We help each other. So whatever good habit you're wanting to establish, get people that will help you establish that habit. But can I tell you, the best habits that you can establish this year are the ones that will help you grow spiritually and that will last for an eternity. Those are the habits that you want to develop in 2019. And to do that, to grow those kind of habits, you need to be in a group, a community group that will help you, keep you accountable and help you grow. Be in a place this year where you can demonstrate Christ's love to one another and thus fulfilling his command to abide in his love and to bear fruit. So today, right after service, I know that we have signups for Financial Peace University. I would encourage you for that, for that program that starts in, in two weeks to be a part of that. It's a great program. You need to sign up for that. I know that the youth department is selling their tickets so that you guys can pie everybody uh, in the face, and I encourage us to raise $499.99 to make sure that happens. But most of all this morning, I would encourage you to get in the back and sign up for a community group. And those who are leading community groups, I would encourage you to be in the back as well, and so that when they're signing up, they have questions they can ask you, they can connect with you. If you have any other further questions, we have groups that are meeting Monday through Friday. So hopefully there's a day somewhere in there that you can say, I can be a part of that. Five groups throughout Madeira. Madeira's not that big. If a group's not right next door to you, it's okay. They're probably right across town. And you can be a part of something bigger than yourself with the understanding that I'm joining a group with the expectation that I'm going to demonstrate Christ's love to somebody, and they're going to demonstrate Christ's love to me, and we're going to grow together. And 2019 is going to be a year of spiritual growth like we've never experienced before in our lives. And we will see fruit that remains. Not just the fruit of the Spirit, but we'll begin to see fruit of loved ones coming to Jesus. We'll begin to see neighbors coming to Jesus. We'll begin to see coworkers and bosses surrendering their lives to Jesus because of the fruit that we're bearing in our lives. Because we've been loving each other. The world will see that we belong to Jesus this year. The world will know that we belong to Jesus this year because we will love each other.